0: We're going to begin a new series called From Faith to Faith. And I can't tell you how excited I am to really begin to inject this message or this series of messages into this community. And often I like to encourage you that there's certain things that when you hear them, your mind goes, oh, I know that, and it tunes it out or it just kind of speeds up to the next thought. But I want to encourage you to dismiss that for a moment, that although you may know something, there's an understanding that comes with knowledge. There's wisdom of God that comes with something, and there's revelation. And I want to draw our attention. We only have one slide today. The PowerPoint was not working. We had some demonic activity with all technology today. Um, so Nico has, he, he did a good job. Didn't he? he just put the slide up? Good job, Nico. So he's done back there. He can do whatever he feels like he wants to. But uh, would you turn with me to Romans chapter 1, verse 16? And seventeen, This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing a, a letter to the church that is at Rome. And he writes these words in verse number 16. He said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For that gospel is the power of God unto our salvation. That word salvation is sozo in the Greek. It means more than just going to heaven. Remember, this life, this Christian life is not just about you getting to heaven. It's not you just praying a prayer and now I can go to heaven. No, it's revealing who you are as a son and daughter of the living God. That's what salvation is. And it's walking in who Christ is for you and who Christ is being formed inside of you. It says to everyone who believes, how do you receive in the kingdom of God? It's through believing In every other aspect of our life, you receive things by working for it. How many fathers or mothers have told their kids, nothing comes for what? Free. That you have to earn your way to something. But in the kingdom of God, Jesus secured it. He paid the price so that we could receive freely. And how do you receive? By believing. And it says for the Jew first and then also for those who are Greek. Look at this verse. In verse 17, Romans chapter 1, it says... For in it, for in the gospel, what's revealed? The righteousness of God, not the wrath of God, not the justice of God, not the anger of God, not the punishment of God. In the gospel, the righteousness of God has been revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just. If you're just in this room, raise your hand. Just raise it. Everybody just raise your hand. Okay. It says the just are called to live by what? We're called to walk and live by something that's called faith. And so I want to exhort us today of what that means and what it looks like to walk in this new life that Jesus has given to us. And I'm going to dive into a particular side of life that I believe is important for all of our growth in Christ. And that we can walk out the very things and possess the very things that are already ours. I want to say that again, that you would possess and walk in the things that are already yours. So often in conversation with individuals, I realize they're searching for something. They're they're trying to attain to a particular place when God has said we, we are blessed with what? All spiritual blessings. That everything that pertains to life and to godliness has been given to us. And I believe that it's time for this message of faith to be injected into our hearts, that we begin to learn how to live the new life that has been given to us. God didn't just come to make your life better. He came to exchange your old life, which is now dead in Christ, to give you a brand new life. And now we're learning how to walk in this new life. How many a little bit older folk, that could be 30 or 40 years old, um, when you get a, I'm old, I, I, I'm in that class, I understand. When you, when you are introduced to something brand new, like a new iPhone or a new iPad, that there's a learning curve to it, isn't it? Yeah. And sometimes, yeah, you shake it and throw it and, and beat it and uh, say, what do I need this for? And then you go back to it, but there's a learning curve. And it's the same thing with our new man, because there's old habits and old residue and old ways of thinking that need to be put off. That we'd finally know how to, and listen to these words, that we would know how to not only just overcome, but conquer once and for all fear and anxiety and worry once and forever. I know that seems far-fetched for some of you in this room, but there is a place in Christ. There's a place where you can go to where fear And anxiety and worry no longer push you around. They no longer dictate whether you take a step for God or whether you don't. Whether you wonder what God's going to do if he's going to come through or whether he's not. That we would learn how to experience a joy that is not dictated by external circumstances. I'm not talking about a perfect way of living. I'm talking about the perfect one lives on the inside of you. And there's a place where you can experience the joy that he gives you regardless of what you see around you. That we would possess a peace. Why? Because the prince of who? The prince of peace lives where? On the inside of us. That we would possess a peace that is not moved by the winds and the waves of this life. And that we would all together develop and possess a faith and a trust that looks at every problem with excitement and wonder. I think about my friend Tony back there. We have grown into a good friendship over the last seven or eight months. And, and one of the things that he says the Lord's beginning to shift his perspective on. And although he's not fully there and none of us are, he says he's beginning to expect, God, what are you up to in this problem? That's a different way of thinking because oftentimes problems can intimidate us. Problems can cause us to be filled with a sense of fear and expectation that something worse is going to happen. When in fact, what if you begin to look at your problems and you started to see, man, I'm excited about how God's going to come through. And you start wondering how this problem is actually going to be a stepping stone to something that God has for you in the future. And I know like some of you may be feeling Justin, I'm so far from what you're even saying, but I can assure you as a pastor that you're not. You may feel so distant from where you want to be and where God's bringing you to, but I want to assure you that you're not as far as you think you are. And today I believe we will all be one step closer to living a life that is not governed by circumstances, but it's governed from within remember Stephen when he was being stoned. The words that came out of his mouth were these. Father, hold this not against them. Do not charge this to their account. That's a man that was ruled from where? From within. Job, when he went through all the trials that he did and his wife looked at him, she said, just curse God and let's die. What did he say? Though God may take something from me or he may give something to me, I will always praise the Lord. He was governed from within. He wasn't faking it. He, he had strong conversation with his friends. He even asked God questions that God said, are you sure you want to ask me those questions? So he had his moments, but he was governed from within. He was moved by something different than what his circumstances were telling him. I want you to imagine life for a moment through the eyes and the lens of Jesus. This man didn't worry. He didn't freak out when negativity hits his life. And it was one that was not moved by the accusations and the hurts of others. John and I were talking about this, so was Jamie and I this morning, about, man, we're we not hurt for, from people, we hurt for people. That we realize that the people that are attacking us, saying something maybe against us or did us wrong or put us down, you know what, I'm not hurt by their words, I'm hurt for them. Because somewhere along the way, somebody hurt them enough that they had to bring somebody else down. That there's some struggle on the inside of them that they're just taking it out on me. And that we're free from others so that we can love others freely. That's a place of the kingdom right there. Our friend Jamie, she just recently posted to our community page that, you know what, she just finalized a a difficult and challenging divorce. But she asked the community to pray for her ex-husband. Come on, that's kingdom right there. That's not, that's not let's fake this and hey guys, let's pray that he uh, has an accident. No, let's pray that God gets a hold of his heart and that he gets healed and he gets delivered from whatever it is that he's facing off with. That's love because love never what? And love never keeps a record of ouch. 1 John four seventeen says these words, because as he is, speaking of Jesus, so are we in this world. In 1 John 4, 4, it says that there is one who lives on the inside of you who is greater than the one who lives in this world. And I know the enemy has a way of poking at us every single day, just pushing us and poking us and pushing us and poking us and pushing us and poking us until either we break or until we start to praise. The greater one lives on the inside of you. I know many of you know that verse. I know many of you have heard those words before But my question at the end of the day for all of us is, do you believe that? Do you believe that the greater one, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who knows every single one of your steps, the one who knows the number of hairs on your head, do you know that he lives on the inside of you and he is greater than the one who is trying to intimidate you through lies and through uh, stories and through circumstances? The greater one lives on the inside of you. He's greater than the one who attempts to distract you and torment you and constantly is poking at you. That we would learn by God through this greater one to move out of the realm of our sight and to move into the realm of faith that we no longer are lived by our emotions, that our emotions don't dictate, I can't forgive that person and I hate that person and how did they do that to me and why did this happen to me and when is this gonna happen to me to a place where we start to trust the one that loves us endlessly, that is always good, he always has our best in mind and he's always setting us up to succeed. That's where we thrive is in faith and when we get in our emotions, that's where the enemy goes, huh, you ready to box? I got you here. And that verse of he's greater, and the greater one lives in me. It means that the enemy no longer has a power or authority over your life. He can only do as much as we allow him to operate within our mind. Think about that. His only tool is deception. That's his only tool. He can't push you around. He can't poke you. He can't, he can't move you unless you allow him to govern your thoughts and to govern your mind, to deceive you into believing that what you see is more, more uh, valuable than what God said, to get you to believe that what, what is going on in your life is, is more real than what God said. And I reminded of the story of Elisha and his servant. And his servant walked out of that tent and was like, oh my gosh, there's an army that is surrounding us. And he knew, man, what I see is fear. So immediately he goes back into his tent. He said, Elisha, what are we gonna do? And Elisha walked out of that tent and he looked at it and he goes, man, God, open up this servant's eyes so he could see a realm through the eyes of faith that he can't see in his natural eyes. And he opened up his eyes and he saw that the armies that surrounded the army that was surrounding them was greater. And that's faith. To realize that God is going to open our eyes to see things from his perspective as we've been talking about. And you know what is cool is the enemy knows he's powerless. But sometimes we don't. Sometimes we talk him up. Oh, the devil's doing this to me today, and the devil's saying this to me today, and the devil's just pushing it back and and not realizing that he is powerless. And you know who knows it? The devil does. And he knows that you, every single one of you that have claimed the name of Christ, every one of you are a child of God, and he knows that. And he knows the Spirit of God lives on the inside of each and every one, that you possess the greater one on the inside of you. And he knows all of that and he's doing everything he can do to keep you from believing who you are. That you're a child of God who possesses the greater one on the inside of you who has an assignment and a purpose and a plan and a ministry in your life and God has given you giftings to go work that purpose and God has given you anointing that you can go and do what he has called you to do. The enemy's like, I must keep them from believing that. I must keep them in shame. I must keep them in guilt. I must keep them in condemnation because if they live there, then they're not believing the gospel. And that is why all throughout the scriptures us as believers are exhorted and we're instructed to walk by In Jude 3 it says we are to contend for the faith. We're going that term the faith is important. That we Colossians 1:23 we are to continue in the faith. Colossians 2:7 we are to be established in the faith. 2 Timothy 4:7 we are to keep the faith in First Peter 5, 9, that we are to remain steadfast in the faith. Listen to those words again. Continue, contend, establish, keep steadfast. It gives you the picture of holding on to something. Because the current of life that we live in is going contrary to where the Spirit of God wants us to go. Like winter and spring. Like, we all want to go where? To spring. And winter wants to stay. And so we all must, as Illinoisans, remain steadfast. (laughs) Contend for our five months of good weather. Hold fast to that weather, it's coming. Or, like we like to do, me and my wife, just pick up your bags and go to Clearwater for two days (laughs) and contend there. So what does it mean to be the the faith? What is that phrase? Simply that phrase, it's who we are and the calling that has been placed upon our life as a believer. Who we are is the faith. So contend for who you are. Be established in who you are. Keep who you are in God's eye. Remain steadfast in who you are. 2 Timothy 1.9 says these words. Who has saved us, speaking of Jesus, and he's called us, How many of us? All of us. He's called us with a holy calling. Not according to works, but according to his own purpose and his own grace. That's what I love. God not only gives you a purpose, but he also gives you the grace, the enablement to fulfill that purpose in your life. So he's not asking you to do anything that he is not going to give you the grace to do it. But do you realize the grace only comes upon your life when you take a what? A step. It's like these kids, they're scared of, man, I know some of them did solos, like to, uh, to try out to sing up front here. That's a huge step for many of them. But the moment you step, you see AJ singing, and Chloe singing, and Abby singing, and Lainey singing. There's a grace that comes upon you to do what you stepped out to do in faith. And many times we're waiting for God to give us the, the unction or the courage to do it, and God goes, no, as you step, I will be with you with my grace, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus before the time began. Therefore, we must stand firm in and walk in our true identity and the purpose that God has given to us. Colossians chapter 2. If you do have a Bible, I would encourage you to at least mark it or highlight these verses because when you listen to them, I want you to see something very important. Verse number 6, it says, As you therefore have received christ jesus the lord how do you receive christ by by faith you don't receive him by your works it's by faith not by works that we are saved so he says as you have received christ by what by faith by believing so walk in him by faith and so it's not just about receiving christ and going to heaven i know that's a huge perk of the kingdom of God, but it's so much more because he left you here on this earth to represent him. So he said, as you receive Jesus as your Lord, now walk in him. And how do you walk in him? By faith. And many of you, myself included, were challenged by our emotions. I don't feel God. I don't feel like he loves me. I don't know if I've disappointed. I feel like he's angry with me. I feel like I'm just a failure. I'm so ashamed. I'm so condemned of what I've done. And my mind wanders all the time of things contrary to God. And so we're not walking in him by faith. We're walking in what we see and what we feel. It says, look at verse number seven. Rooted and built up where? In him. I want to say a statement that, you may not hear many pastors say, but I believe it to be very true, is your rooting, your planting is not in a church. It's in Christ. I say that because oftentimes we want to root ourselves and plant ourselves in a church, and God is not like that. He wants you to be rooted and planted in where? In Christ, in who you are, and who he is for you. Because if we are going to leave these doors, it's not about your roots taking place in the seats of this house. It's about your roots going in Jesus so that wherever you go, you are rooted and grounded in Christ. And that's where you flourish. You don't flourish because you come to church. You don't flourish because you serve at church. You flourish because you are rooted and grounded in Jesus christ and he may lead you to serve here he may lead you to be a part of what we're doing here but your roots do not go down deep into a church they go down deep into the person named jesus christ and that's where you will thrive as a believer amen and it says that we be established in the faith as you have been what taught what breaks my heart, and, and please, if you ever hear what I'm about to say, I, I pray that the spirit of we're better than them is not in any of these words because that is not the case. But I have spoken to believers who have been believers for 15, 20, 25 years, and I begin to share with them just some of the truths of the realities of who they are in Christ, and some of them never heard it before. They never realized about what the new man is and that the old man is dead. They've never heard that language before. And it says that you can be established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in these truths with what? Thanksgiving. Now look at this, verse eight. Because this will come to every one of your homes eventually as you begin to embrace these things. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy Through empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles or functions of the world, and not according to Christ. So Paul was saying, guys, be rooted and established in the faith who you are. And beware that there's going to come those who will cheat you out of something, And they will lead you back into functional Christianity and they will lead you away from a relationship with Jesus Christ that your security with God is based upon Jesus. And everything you do is from a relationship with Christ not to get one. And they will cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit the traditions of men and the principles of this world to convince you that there's a better way to be a better Christian, to be closer to God when in fact Jesus secured all of that for you on the cross so that you can now respond to what he did. In verse number nine, for in him, Christ, dwells what? The fullness of the Godhead bodily. In who? In Christ dwells how much? The fullness. Where are you? In where? And in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him. And how many of us are trying to fix so many things in our lives and there's so much that needs to be fixing and that's why it fixates, that's why we get fixated on fixing our life. When God says, I want to reintroduce you to a new life I've given to you, and I want you to learn how to walk in this new life, to grow up and to be built up in Christ so that you could be just like my son Jesus while he was on this earth. So the very life, our new life, is one that has been fully restored through the blood of Jesus, and we can now enjoy and rest in the work that Christ did for us. And it's out of that resting ...that we do. It's out of that resting that we serve. It's out of that resting that we live. It's out of that resting that we pray for people. It's out of that resting that we now walk in the very things... ...that the Spirit of God is leading us to do. And remember this statement. Everything that Jesus deserves... ...is now available to who? I don't know, I don't know how, what picture you get of that... ...and I don't know how much you believe that... ...but everything that Jesus deserves is now available to you and I. Does Jesus deserve the favor of God? So do you. Why? Not because you earned it, but because you put your trust where? In the one who paid the price for you. Does Jesus walk in joy? Yes, and so can you. Does Jesus walk in peace? Yes, and so can you. Everything he deserves is now yours, and everything you deserved was received by, by him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, Yet he who knew no sin became what? Became sin. Remember this. Jesus did not die on that cross because you were a sinner. He died for sin, but he died because you were a lost son or daughter of God. And he was exposing your sonship, not exposing your sin. (whistles) Let me say it again. He didn't just die because you were a sinner. He died because there was sin but he died so that he could expose now who you were. You were created in the image of God, in the likeness of God. He what? Created them. He's now exposing who you were. That prodigal son, when he walked away, what did he go do? He lived a life that was completely contrary to how his father raised him and to who he was. When he came back, he had a script. I am not worthy to be your son. Make me as one of your... And his father was like, whoa, 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 let's not even go there. Hey, somebody get me the ring and the robe and the sandals, and we are going to celebrate that, kill that calf, because my son, who was what once lost, is now found. And now he's back, he's, he's exposing to him, you're always my son. And now that young man, however old he is, I always think about it, he has to live now knowing that his father forgave and forgot his past, but now he has to. Like how many of us know him as like we see him in heaven we go, hey, you're the prodigal son. He's like, oh no, that was my past. I'm a son. And so many of us label something right before our son with God or daughter. Oh, I'm the, I'm the daughter who did this, and I'm the son who did this, and I, you're just struggling to forgive yourself of what you've done in the past. Jesus paid a debt that I could never repay, and he fulfilled a law that I could never measure up to. And I have access now to the same account that Jesus had access to while he was on this earth. He exchanged his life for mine. Now, I'm I'm sharing all this, and I know you've heard me say this before, but for a reason when it comes to this subject of faith. His righteousness he exchanged for my sin. I am now called to receive him, to walk in him. And this can only be done by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by and not by sight, That's what Christians are called to do, the just shall live by faith. Galatians 2.20, listen to these words. For I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ now lives where? He lives in me, and the life which I now am called to live in Christ, in the flesh, I live by what? Faith. That I have to believe something that is so contrary sometimes to my feelings. That I have to believe that a God loves me because he proved it by sending his son, even though there's some times where I don't feel like he loves me. I have to believe that God is going to come through for me because he's a faithful shepherd and he's a faithful father, even though I don't know if he's going to come through me this time. Galatians 3.11 says, But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. So what is faith? Faith is responding. Faith is never initiating. You are never on the initiation side with God. You are always on the responding end of God. So somebody goes, you know what, Justin, I just really need to pursue God more. Yeah, but first let me remind you that he is pursuing you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Every single second of your life, he is pursuing you. And so your pursuit is just a response to him pursuing you. Your, re- your repentance is just a response to his what? Goodness. It's not repent and then he'll be good to you. No, the goodness of God leads one to. And so faith is just responding. It's not like, oh, I need to walk by faith and I need to now muster this up and push my way through and I need to press my way into the kingdom of God. No, it's responding to what Jesus did. So here's a basic definition. I want to encourage you, if you do have a pen or on your phone, you can write it down. Hey, the baby's great. We need some amens like that today. Oh, they're taking the baby away. Oh, no, the baby's good. The baby is totally fine. So here's the definition of faith. Listen to this. Faith is responding to what your father has said and to what Jesus has done. Now, I want want to just capture this for a moment, because if you're going through a challenging time, you've heard bad news, your mind is riddled with uh, shame and guilt and condemnation, what is faith? Faith is going back and saying, God, what do you say about me? Man, this thing that I did in my past, I just can't seem to shake it. I feel like you're punishing me. I feel like you're mad at me. I feel like I'm disappointed to you. Faith is what? Okay, God, I want to respond to what you said. What did you say about me? Oh, that I love you because you what? You first loved me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son just for me. My goodness, God, you are, you're in love with me and that I, I know that you have forgiven me and as far as the east is from the west so far, you removed my transgressions. So I'm now responding to something that he said. But on the other side, I'm also responding to what did Jesus do for me on that cross? He exchanged his life for mine. He exchanged my worry for his peace. He exchanged my sin for his righteousness. He exchanged my unhappiness for his joy. He exchanged my old self lens for his brand new lens so I could see life through his eyes. He exchanged my old life for a brand new life. What What did Jesus do for me? So my life now is consistently, when I wake up in the day and I have bad news when I start the day, what did God say about today? Today is what? What? Yep. But it's also today is the day that the Lord has and I will. So my my praise is a response to what? Either God, you made this day and either God, you are good. You're always good. You always have my best in mind. You're always setting me up to succeed. If I believe that, I'm going to respond to that. That's what faith is. Faith is not trying to please God. It's not trying to make God happy by your performance. Faith is saying, God, what have you said in Jesus? What did you do for me on the cross? I will respond to that. And so when you get bad news, ask yourself, what has Jesus said about the situation? What did he say? He said, I'm your good shepherd. I will take care of you. And though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, don't be afraid. I'm with you. I'm going to respond to that. And so I'm not faking it. I'm not denying what I see. I'm not trying to pretend that life is not going the way that I hoped that it would. I'm responding to something different. Are you following me? And so faith is a perspective you live from. It's living from heaven's view or God's view of why we're here and where we're going. Faith is not to get you that new car, that new job, that new promotion, that more money. How many times when you put on the lens of self, you go, man, God, I need and I need and I need and I need. When you take that lens off and put the lens that Christ wants to get, you go, God, thank you for the joy. Holy cow, the peace. And the righteousness that you have provided. Father, I'm so content with what you have provided for me. I don't have to spend all my energies and faith on self. I spend it on believing what Jesus, who he is for me and what he's done for me. And when you walk by faith, you don't know. Let me just, I have to back up because this was on my mind all morning as we're walking. How many of you, when you're faced with financial pressure, difficulty and challenges, you start to put your faith where? There. And you start to go, okay, God, I need you to come through. And so what happens, the thing that drove you to your prayer, the thing that is driving what we call faith is the need. What if you didn't even concern yourself with this because he said, you are more valuable than even the sparrows, and yet I feed them and I clothe them and I take care of everything they need. What if our faith was now based upon God, your father? And I know a father will always take care of his children. And I don't know what's hindering me or whether it's the enemy or our own decisions from getting to where we need to get to financially. But, Father, I thank you that you will provide for us and you will take those things in or or meet those needs in our life. And that's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things you won't have need of. Faith is embracing him the author and the perfecter of our faith. Faith is holding on to it, standing firm in our Father's perspective. It's resting in the, the stunning realization of how God sees you and I such that what I have seen changes the way that I live. It's relational response arising out of our love relationship with God and God's heart and his will for our situation. Faith is knowing that God is always good and he always has our best in mind and he's always setting us up to succeed. Faith is the readiness, the preparedness of my heart to receive what Christ already accomplished and paid for knowing that that is true and believing it in my heart. We're not trying to have faith. We're not trying to get Faith. He has given to all of us a measure of faith. And the more that I know him and the more that I understand his compassion and his heart and his motive in sending his son, faith is an automatic response. And it works through what? Faith worketh through love. The foundation of your faith is love, it's the love of God and it's the willingness to receive God's love. Faith doesn't come because I have a pressing need. That's called fear in desperation. And how many of us are in our prayer times praying for something that we're facing off with and honestly, we're filled with worry and we're filled with fear. Faith comes because I have been with him. And that's why the disciples, no matter how much persecution came upon them, they were willing to stand until the point of death. Why? Because they'd been with him. They knew who their father was. They knew who Christ was. Ephesians three seventeen through 20, it says these words. For Christ, uh, this is Paul praying a prayer to the church at Ephesus. He says, I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded where? In love that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge that you may be filled with all the what? Fullness of God, not just the measure. Can you imagine if that prayer was true in your life, you were rooted and grounded in love and you were filled with the fullness of God and you realized the width and, or the, width and the, the height of his love? What would be the response? Depression? Fear? Faith would be a response to, wow, who this God is for. Now look at verse 20. It's a verse that many of us know. Now to him, speaking of God, he is who is able to do exceedingly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So faith rejects anything less than what he proclaims about me. I don't know what your past is saying to you. I don't know the the thoughts that come up in your heart and in your mind of, of who you're not and how far you still have to go and God's disappointing you. Like when are you gonna get your act together? I don't know what thoughts you have but faith is saying I'm gonna respond to what he said and to what Jesus did for me and if I find out what he said and I realize what Jesus did for me on that cross that's what I'm gonna respond to. Yeah, but you did this, and the enemy may come and go, you know what? You just acted like this, and man, you probably disqualified yourself from whatever God has for you. What does faith do? You know what? I'm going to respond to what my father said. And this, as you can see, happens all day long. Because the enemy, who is called their adversary... The word Satan actually is, I think it's dublose and it's a bouncing of ball. Over and 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 over. And, over. And, he's and he's poking you and he's poking you. And he's poking you and he's poking you. And he's poking you and he's poking you until you have a mental what? But what if he poked you and he poked you and you just kept on having a praise break instead of a mental break? Because you know what he can't do? You know what the enemy can't do? He can't stop poking you. And so he can get people poke. That person said that to you. Don't you hate them? Aren't you so mad at them? Don't you wonder why God hasn't come through through you? Don't you wonder why life is still the way that it is? Don't you wonder? And he pokes and pokes. And what if you just come back and go... My father said this, and father, I just praise you that you're a faithful father and you will come through for me. And father, I just forgive them as you have forgiven me. And I love those, father God. And I actually, I bless my enemies and he just keeps on poking you. And the more that he pokes you, the more that you begin to stand up and rise up and be the son and daughter that he's called you to be. And so his poking you actually now is poking back at him. And so faith rejects anything that is contrary to what God has said about you because Satan wants to steal your confidence before God. If he can get you to go, God, um, are you in there? Can Can I approach you? No, we come boldly because of what? The blood of Jesus Christ. I see the blood. He sees the blood on my life. I can come boldly as his son and and as his daughter. And now I have confidence before God. Sin will wreck your confidence before God. I can assure you of that. Sin does not change the way God sees you, but it changes the way that you view yourself in the presence of God. And so when you play with sin, yes, you lose your confidence. And that's why he wants to trip us up all the time and get us to to believe that sin, you're just a, a sin expecting to happen. And I want you to know your old man is dead. That you can present your members unto God and you can present yourself unto God as somebody that has been made brand new in the things of God. Let me close with this. Is that 1 Timothy says, fight the good fight of what? Fight the good fight. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were called and you have confessed the good confession, the presence of many witnesses. This fight is a fight of faith. It's not a fight against the devil. He is not the issue. The fight is to believe what God has said about you and what Jesus did for you on the cross. And every time the devil pokes you and he pushes you and he bullies you, he is running a risk of you standing and believing what your father said. He is running a risk when he pokes you of pushing you deeper into intimacy with your father. He is running a risk when he pokes you of causing you to have a praise break instead of that mental break. When he pokes you, he is running the risk of you coming out with a greater revelation of how good God is. Are you beginning to see what it means to walk by faith, to respond to the goodness and the love of your father? And the story that came to my mind as I close off is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where they they made a commitment at a young age to serve the God of their forefathers. And what I love about them is that they stood their ground And then there was somebody that just looked at him and was like, you know what, we're going to get these guys. We're going to cause them to compromise their faith and start to now bow down to somebody else. And so they went to the king and said, king, you need to decree that nobody will worship any other god except you alone. You are the god that they will bow down to and will build a statue and everybody will come and worship that statue. And so he liked these guys, but he heard about them like they're not... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not doing it. He's like, oh my gosh, why not? These guys, I, I know they're so good, and man, they've been such good young men, but you know what? They're, they're disobeying my decree. And he got furious with them, and he brought them before you. He says, unless you worship this statute, I'm gonna have to kill you guys like you're done with. And I remember they had a furnace there, and what, what did they say to him? God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, I will still, or we will still, praise him, amen. And I want you to just stand in the same confidence that God, I know you'll be faithful, I don't know when things will change, but I refuse to compromise and get back into the emotions of who I used to be. I reject shame. I reject guilt. I reject condemnation. I reject my past. I stand in faith. And, oh, God, I know you'll come through. But even if you don't, I will still praise you for who you are and who I am to you. And they threw them in the furnace. And they turned it up seven times, as hot as it was. And the guys who threw them in, they were even burned. And what did they see? And I want to encourage you this. When you have faith, Jesus is always walking with you every step of the way that when you're in the furnace or you're not it makes no difference the furnace or not doesn't dictate whether or not you can walk around with Jesus and because you're in the furnace doesn't mean Jesus is not there no they looked in they go man there's a fourth man walking who looks like somebody that they don't recognize and that's what i walking by faith and i know the devil's coming i know he's coming to torment you to poke you to cause you to believe a lie about who you used to be and who you're not and that god is not happy and god's not this and you're not this and you'll never be this and you can't get past this and i just want to remind you walk by faith respond to what your father said because he never changes he's the same yesterday today and forevermore and what he said before is what he's saying today and he's going to continue to say it forever until time comes. And respond to what Jesus did because Jesus said, it is finished. Your life is now new. Your old man is now dead. Now walk in your new life. It's the gospel, the power of God unto salvation. And then we get to walk by faith. And that's why there's joy. And that's why there's peace. And that's why there's victory. And that's why we're overcomers. And that's why we're more than conquerors. Why? Because we're walking by faith. I know it may look like from somebody else. Man, things aren't going well for you. That's okay. Because I know who I am. And I know I have a father who loves me and he's faithful every single time. He will deliver me from this mess. He will restore my marriage. He will protect my kids. He will help me with those things because he wants to. And all I have to do is focus on him. Would you please stand with me this morning? extend your hands like this if you're comfortable father i pray right now in jesus name that they just receive the power of god on their life that they would receive the grace to endure the grace to stand steadfast the grace and the hope that they're believing for that they would not be moved by their circumstances they would not be moved by the thoughts that come in their mind but they would stand fast in what jesus you have done for them and father what you have spoken over their life. And so I just bless them right now in Jesus' name that they are sons and daughters of the living God. The greater one lives on the inside of them. When they leave these doors, they are a light to a dark world. They are sent on a mission to go to preach the gospel. They are sent on a mission to go with the anointing of God, to go and live a life that they've been called to live with a holy calling that is on every single one of their lives. May the gifts of God rise up on the inside of them. May the Spirit of God go before them and be upon them. Them, that they may fulfill the works that you have called them to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's give.